Okay, here we are. David Maida presents the legendary great Tony Levin. Good to see you, Tony. Thank you, David. Good to be here. I'm uh, very excited about the upcoming Peter Gabriel tour that is about to commence here in the U.S. after a very successful uh, European run. Uh, maybe you can just start off by telling us after a little bit of a time period where the where the guys were off and Peter hadn't toured, you're back. And tell me about the excitement that just uh, took place through Europe and now on its way to the States. Oh, yeah, we were off quite a while. Some of us kept working, but Peter hadn't toured in quite a while. The last thing I had done with them was the 2016 tour in conjunction with Sting, which was a fantastic musical uh, endeavor. It was very short, though, maybe 12 shows or something like that. So it was a thrill to be preparing for this uh, new tour and Peter's new material for those who haven't heard it is fantastic. Well, nobody's heard at all of it except for those of us in the band who recorded it. Uh, so we've been recording new material for a couple of years with Peter. Great stuff. And unlike uh, most artists, he does a lot of the new material in the show or or to a, a bigger extent than most artists do. And and. It's a challenge for his audience, but they're they're liking it a lot. And each month, those the P Peter's fans know each month he releases a new piece on the full moon on uh, YouTube, and and so I would say the public. Well, it started in January, so by now they know six or seven of the songs of the many new songs that we'll do. It's a, it's a thrill and being back with the the same guys, uh, and other players too is is a thrill. Not just Peter, but Manu Kache, David Rhodes, the the drummer and guitar player from the old days, and myself. And then we have uh, four other members, new members of the band. So it's a large band and great fun. We rehearsed for an entire month in London. That was a thrill, and we needed that not only uh, to get the music together, but uh, it's a big production, so a lot of production rehearsals. And then we did. I'm um, I'm guessing we did twenty or twenty four shows in Europe, and they were they were wonderful. Boy, I'm talking myself out about this tour. You, you know, and you, you've already answered my, some of my questions in you know, regards <laughs> to I.O. And the, and the new recordings at you know, Real World, which is it, it's really over like, what, almost like a quite a number of years to get this all finished, right? Brian Eno was involved, and, you know, you, you mentioned you know, Manu and David and whatnot, and yourself, obviously. I guess the experience at Real World and this process, judging by what I've heard of the tracks, is outstanding so now you're conveying that live and i think the fans are appreciative um, of hearing great new music especially with peter and and the band so very exciting you know and dance dance routines included right <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh those are are like waking up in the morning that we've been doing those uh, some of them a very very long time and i'll admit uh that i wouldn't say my i wouldn't put it that my age is caught up with me but uh, doing the same steps for two and a half hours is a little more tiring than it was oh thirty years ago when I did the same thing. Right, so well, that was a, a little bit of a, a discovery on this last part of the tour, and uh, I'll be in a little better shape coming into the next next tour leg. By the way, in September October we'll tour in Canada and uh, the U.S. As I guess you know. Yes, uh, move over Taylor Swift and Paramore. You know, you guys have the dance steps down, so that's great. And you're <laughs> you're appearing in Philadelphia at Wells Fargo Center on September 16th, which is exciting. I, you know, I, I'm stoked myself to be attending that show. I, the last time I saw Peter live with you, I think was 
geez, 1994 <laughs> Spectrum, uh, which was amazing. So it, it's been some time. And, you know, I know there were so many integral shows. Um, I mean, you met Peter in what, 1976, and that tour started in 77, right? The first tour. Yeah, you're very good at the, you've done your homework. That's where that's, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good at remembering dates, but I remember that one, uh, July of 76, when we began work on Peter's first solo album called Peter Gabriel. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And talk, talk about, if we, if we go back, talk about a band, jeez, you know, yourself, Steve Hunter, you know, Dusty Rhodes, right? Yeah. Robert Robert Alias and uh, Alan on on drums. I mean, it, it was an amazing lineup. I know you guys did some shows at the tower back then. I think. Yeah. It was 1977, but uh, you're not to just talk away here. But man, that was just that debut release just set things off. And here you are in mm-hmm. 2023 after such a, an amazing career as a you know extraordinary bass player. All the great musicians and you know recordings you played on King Crimson. I can go on and on. Uh, boy, you know John Lennon's Double Fantasy. But here you are with Peter since that time period. And you know, I guess you're totally floored by this and excited about you know again this tour you're right i would i'm going to borrow your expression totally floored i don't usually say that but yes i am (laughs) i am chuffed i'm excited i'm thrilled to be back doing it and uh back in a musical conjunction with peter which is so special and also he's a good buddy of mine since 76 uh and and when you reminded me of that that first session in july 76 i also met uh, robert fripp on that session and it's pretty extraordinary to me, who, for those who don't know, is the founder of King Crimson, which I've been in since 81. Although we're not doing anything now, and we don't know if we're going to do anything in the future. But still, pretty extraordinary to to think back on that day when I met two people, at least two people, whom I'm still uh, good friends with and, and musically doing creative things after all these many years. Pretty special. By the way, I am still in touch with Steve Hunter, who I have I asked to play on some of my own solo things, and and he's doing playing great as always. And some of the guys I'm um, still in touch with from those sessions, Larry Fast, certainly the, the amazing wow. New Jersey-based uh, uh, synthesizer player who was doing radical things in those days, and a great meld with Peter because Peter is always thinking outside the box and looking for radical things, and Larry just melted right into that and they they came up with unusual sounds for for these many years yes i mean larry you know when i was a promoter came to many of my shows and an amazing keyword player but you mentioned steve hunter i mean wow yeah. steve hunter and dick wagner those guys were the cats i mean but yeah. steve i mean his, his guitar work on Solberg, salisbury hill and all the stuff he played on i mean that's jack douglas hence you know probably your introduction how we go into double fantasy right you probably through Jack got the call for that with Andy Newmark and, and Earl Slick, right? For those sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Earl, whom I'm in touch with uh, again, about playing tracks together, uh, even as, as recently as this week. Yeah. You're taking me way back to the, the memory book of way, way back. Yes. Jack Douglas, great producer. And he's the one who asked me to be on double fantasy, the John, John and Yoko album. Uh, and Steve Hunter, and Dick Wagner were a team. I had played with them. I knew them before the sessions with Peter Gabriel because of uh, Bob Ezrin, the producer of Peter's first album, uh, did a lot of albums with Alice Cooper and right. had me play on those w- along with Hunter and Wagner is, is how you would refer to those two guitar players who played as a team very well together. Yes. Um, and 
you know, again, I was able to see, you know, you with Peter over the years and so many great King Crimson performances, <laughs> you know, the stick men, the Levin brothers. I mean, some great performances. Maybe you can touch base a little bit about what bass you're using on the current tour. Are you, are you using your funk fingers or using the Chapman stick? <laughs> uh, yeah. All of my basses, all of the, not all of my basses, because I have too many basses. Uh, guitarists and bass players can relate to that, I'm sure. I play a number of basses, uh, mostly Music Man basses, which is the, the brand that I really like, five string. I have the, what, the the one called the Special, which is kind of the same as the Stingray Special, which is kind of the same as the standard Stingray, but it's lighter weight, something I didn't care about until I got it. And I thought, oh, this really works for me, especially in long rehearsals in concert i i never mind the weight of a of some bases are heavier than others uh i don't mind but rehearsals are are eight hours instead of three hours or two hours and it does help and also they have their uh dark dark ray which has a double preamp built into it an extraordinary thing that i use a lot in peter's show i use the funk finger some i play the stick some i play the ns electric upright on some pieces quite a few of the the, the new ballads i play the ns electric upright uh i think that's it for the instruments i play i have a little, little synth keyboard to cover some synth parts that are on the album and uh i have a lot of fun in the show but uh instrumentally i certainly have a, a, a trunk and a half full of instruments that that come out at one time or another during the show you know again a master of of the bass you know upright included you know the, the chapman stick <laughs> which you know i mean and you're playing and, and you mentioned music man not to throw that in there, but if I had to pick a basic choice, it would be Music Man. I'm just being straight up with you. I just I like yeah. their their products as far as when you know. I know the distinctive sound that they created when they first came out, and it's still yeah. great bases. You know, from the fours, the fives, and Stingray, the one. Yeah, the, inter interestingly, the I was one of the first to play it, just because a friend of mine, bass player, friend of mine, happened to be working in conjunction with Leo Fender in making the instrument, and uh, so I've been playing it since since way back and. The sound of it hasn't changed much. It's just the, the company, Ernie Ball Music Man, who bought the company, have been very... I'm not doing an ad for them. I'm just saying, realistic. you know, I play the bass every day. It's what I do. And and they've made tiny improvements and, and significant things, but all without losing at all the basis of what makes the bass special. That's why I get the new the newer versions, not all of them, but, but some of the newer versions which are improved in little ways, but they don't lose, if it lost even a little bit of that special, I have a hard time finding the words to describe it, but what drew me to the bass is still there in the new basses, plus uh, other elements that are, are nice, like uh, a mid-range control and, and other options, and the lighter weight nowadays is pretty special, and those two extra preamps uh, for really heavy rock uh, help you just kind of kick in. Okay, yeah, again, Sterling Ball and Brian Ball and, and the company have done a, a great job with product. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, if you're wondering why I'm outside today, it's probably foolish on my behalf, but I had to come out because unfortunately we have these wildfires up in Canada still, and there's some red rain outside. So I thought, well, you know, I'm interviewing Tony Levin. I'm like, this is so appropriate. I have to come outside. So for a short period, here we are. But <laughs> you know some of those tracks i mean red rain shock the monkey sledgehammer i mean boy the bass work and i'm, I'm giving you props here kudos and props props but any musician and bass player if you if you dial in and and you listen to some of those parts I mean, the creativity part is just 
I mean, maybe you could touch base on one. Just pick one of the tracks if you had to pick one. Red Rain, Shock the Monkey, or well, uh, well, I'm going to mention uh, Red Rain because it's in the show. I I can't predict for 100% what's in the U.S. shows, but it's been in the show, and it wasn't going to be uh, when we rehearsed uh, in April, May. We had more than enough material, but Peter felt the need of, well, I didn't speak to him of exactly what he felt the need of, but uh, an older piece of people know that that covers that kind of very heavy, heavy, powerful sound, and, and we tried Red Rain a few times, and then only the last in the last days before the first show near the end of May, Peter said, let's put that in the set, and it works very well. So for me, it's a thrill to come back to playing that piece. I played it in different ways through the years, the way back, and, and it's it's just a great composition. It has a lot of power, and, and there's room in it for the bass. It, it really features the drums, and Manor goes crazy on it, and that's great. And there's room for the bass to do different things each night and to even approach it a little different than I ever did before. So those are the the fun pieces on the road, the ones that are, that you're not just playing every note. The, you worked out the best notes for the album or in the in the live album, and you play those notes. That's okay, but but it's great when you when the piece has the latitude to keep coming up with uh, different approaches to it. Not radically different, but but different approaches that will still work for the song. So Red Rain is for sure is is uh, one of those. What can I say? It gets me excited night after night, year after year. Uh, to hear that song and play it live on stage. Okay, and and you know, part two of this will be sometime next year. You don't have to go into it, but I understand you have a solo release coming out, perhaps, or some new music coming out, maybe. Without uh, I'm, see that there's a bulletin board behind me with the the tracks of my my uh, upcoming solo release, but it's so far off. I'm not going to bother telling you about it. But sometime next year, 2024, probably. A bit late, maybe spring or fall. There'll be a, a tone. Finally, it's another Tony Levin release. It's been a number of years since I I did that, <laughs> and it's exciting and fun. And and it's a good problem to have for me because what it means is I've been on the road so much that I haven't had time to to work in a steady fashion on the music, and that's a good problem to have. I love being on the road. In fact, I prefer it to doing studio work. Uh, playing live concerts is my favorite thing in the world to do. Great, and and. I guess away from, you know, some of your gear, are you still in your anvil? Do you have room for your espresso machine? Are you still making coffee on the road? So uh, and- <laughs> you you really know my history. Uh, there is there is no need uh, no need anymore for that because this tour and every tour has espresso machines all over the place. But you hearken back to the day when I because I've been in Europe a lot and in Italy a lot way back. Uh, I became a fan of making espresso when it was not that well known in America. So soon after that, I started either bringing my own machine or asking the tour to try to get an espresso machine. There was one tour where I had to make a whole a whole uh, case for the espresso machine because <laughs> just there were none to be found on the road. That was way back, probably in the in the early '80s with King Crimson. Uh, so I no longer need to take my espresso machine back. Uh, uh, there are. The, the the kinds that are backstage there's one in the production office there's one in the dressing room and and manu kache and i have wangled one right off stage where we can get at it between songs should we want to <laughs> and certainly in rehearsal we do uh so we're well stocked with espresso great well again i'm I, you know everyone is extremely excited about this these upcoming dates in north america 
And in particular, we'll single out again Wells Fargo in Philadelphia on September 16th. It will be great to see you with Peter and the band, and you know, lots of luck with this this tour. Peter's thank you release, and I I can't you know commend you and thank you enough for doing this. Uh, well, thank you. I, I want to mention before we're done uh, a couple things. First of all, the tour will be very exciting and and gratifying for those of us in the band. Every show is a a little different, and and I find. I feel more, even more connected to the audience. I find knowing that Peter's been playing live concerts a long time and a lot of his audience are faithful fans and have come to a lot of different uh, types of shows. And I think this is uh, production wise, a very special one. It's big and it's, it's kind of spectacular, but because it's Peter, it always has that personal side of it. Somehow he, he, he just has the ability to make even the biggest lighting effects or, or, video effects hit you in a personal way and that's one of the things that's very special about peter so that's precious and i want to mention that uh, on my website which is uh, creatively named tonylevin.com uh, i'll keep a road diary with i take photos all day i take photos at the show and and i sometimes wonder how many people actually see that site i think quite a few but i don't look at the numbers but i i try to remind myself to mention it that that's there and i've also released a uh a series of five of my favorite photos through the years, mostly quite old ones uh, uh, that I've taken of Peter. And there's a link to that series of photos, uh, uh, prints about that big. There's probably some here in my studio, but I, I didn't set them up for the interview. Uh, but that's there's a link to that on the website too. And, and I think the Road Diary is a good way to keep in touch with the kind of our side from the stage looking out and backstage and things like that. Uh, I think I started doing a road diary in the mid nineties, mid to early nineties before there was a word blog. So in a way I had a web blog before there was a, a blog and it's been, been a, a worthwhile way for me to stay in touch with the fans. There's this, you have this great thing in common. we love Peter Gabriel's music. We love uh, King Crimson music, but there's a distance. Obviously we don't come out into the audience in a big arena show. Uh, uh, so the, in a way the web has helped cut down a little bit of that and enabled me uh, through a website to show a little bit of, uh, and write a little bit and show in photos a little bit of what it's like for us on the, on tour. Great. And that's Tony11.com, right? Yes. And, and, and in response to what you actually did say, thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure. And, and uh, I look forward, especially to the Philadelphia show. We have great history in Philly with Peter. Absolutely. Tony, we'll have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm. All the best. My best. Thank you. And thank you very much. Thanks. Well, take care. Take care.